Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. So as Dave said, uh, we just celebrated our 16th year of marriage, which is crazy to me, um, but I can say that I truly love my husband more now than uh, when we first got married. Um, probably, like some of us in the room, um, we, d- we didn't know how to do a relationship. We didn't know what a marriage was. We thought we had an idea of it, but uh, we weren't taught scripture-based fundamentals for a marriage. Um, we also didn't know what God had for us. We didn't know our true identity in him. And so one of the scriptures that, that uh, we didn't know but I feel is so important for a married couple is, and the two are united into one, since they are no longer two but one. Let one split apart that God has joined together. So this was something that... Um, that we weren't conscious of. We, we would speak over each other, um, word curses. Uh, we, we weren't friendly to each other all the time. We would, we would have word jabs at each other just to, just to get that in there, you know, to make sure that they knew about your pain. Um, and that's not how God has us to, to have a marriage. He wants us to complement each other, to, to give each other hope and encouragement. Um, we came to a very pivotal moment in our life in 2014. It was absolute trauma and um, chaos in our life. And we were both ready to just throw in the towel and, and give it all up. It, it felt easy. It felt justified by God. It felt like that was the okay thing to do. But um, there was a few things in my life that I thank God for that uh, helped me stay. One of them is my mother-in-law. Because I can always depend on her. Because no matter what I tell her about her son, she still adores him. She still loves him. And she can be sympathetic with me, and she is spirit and Christ-filled. So it's, it's nice to have that. I, I know that I'm not going to go and harm our relationship or the way someone feels about Dave because of things that are going on. So uh, I really pressed into her for some encouragement. And actually, back in, in 2013, I had started a new job, which I knew was God-ordained. Um, but I, di- I didn't know why. But come 2014, when I was in the middle of this chaos, I, I kind of saw why. It was a, a dear friend. Um, she was my, she is my boss still, but uh, more so a dear friend um, who is also very Christ-filled and just spoke life into me. And there was no judgment. Whatever decision I was going to make, she was there for me. But that's what's so important for us. When we're going through these pivotal moments is to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with the appropriate people because the ways of the world, they want to tell us, eh, divorce is easy. 
Why do you want to stay? He treats you bad. She speaks poorly over you. She's stealing. She's this. He's that. And it's so easy to fall into that, that way of the world. But we are to be transformed by the renewal of our mind through God. In our relationship, the devil had twisted so many lies, and it was just subtle lies, just little things at first that we started grasping a hold of and thinking horrible things about each other, and then it just turned into this major chaos. So I just want to bring up another verse that um, in the midst of chaos, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So we all go through the same trials and tribulations. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So I know when I was going through this, I didn't feel like I could endure it. I thought, I'm going to break. There were so many moments where all I could do was cry and sob and just lean into my friend and my mother-in-law and cry on their shoulders and just, I didn't see a way out, but I just kept on pressing into God. And sometimes the only thing I could do was say his name, Jesus, 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 until I could find healing and freedom. As those lies came in, the devil just wants to come in and kill, steal, and destroy, and specifically over marriage. Because Dave and I, just like all of you, we're not any more special than anyone else. We were chosen. We were chosen to do a big thing. Like Pastor Joy said, I knew when we met them, we were destined to do big things together. And he comes in and just does these subtle things. But pressing into him, a couple years ago, I, I would have, a few years ago, I would have never thought that Dave and I would be doing what we're doing now. There's no way I would have thought I would be up here speaking into a microphone in front of anyone, ever. Amen. I never thought that I would be down here praying over people because I would never pray out loud. Mm -mm. And I never thought that we would be getting into inner healing and deliverance. Which is, at the time, I had no idea what that even meant. I had no idea. And that walks us into kind of what we're talking about today. In December of 2016, so during that time frame between 14 and 16, Dave and I were just healing, repairing, pressing into God, surrounding ourselves with the right people. But in 2016, we had something happen that neither one of us could understand. Dave will get into further explanation of this, but he was oppressed with multiple demonic spirits. In one night, after a family Christmas party, they decided to manifest. I had no idea what to do. I tried to call upon Jesus, and the Holy Spirit told me to stand down. Not now. So I called a couple leaders of our church at the time, but it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, 
and they're not answering their phones. So what did I do? I called my mother-in-law <laughs> because she's going to love Dave through everything, and she knows me well enough to know that I'm not crazy. Praise God. Because it was crazy. Um, the things that were going on, I, I had no idea. I, I, I wonder on the other end of the phone what she was thinking. God bless her. I can't even imagine. Dave's possessed or something. I don't know what's going on. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? Because it was some crazy, wicked laugh and all this chaos was going on. Um, most importantly, one of the things that was so predominant for me was no one was home. In his eyes, there's a saying, the eyes are the windows to our soul, and no one was home. No one. It was a man that I didn't know at all. A lot happened that night, and that's for another time, but we went to church the very next day, and he started manifesting again. We could see this coming out. He could feel it. The, the leaders of our church prayed over him. Our pastor at the time came over to our house that evening with another uh, elder couple and prayed with us. But then we were left to not really understand what was going on with us, how to fight it, how not to fight it, what to do. We're living in the middle of absolute chaos. I, as all as I knew what to do was pray all day, all night. But because of the activity that was going on in him, our house was crazy. So a lot of things were going on at the house. It was very unsettling. We were probably only getting two hours a night of sleep. And when we were in bed, it was like a couple little kids where we had the sheets up to our chin and we're just holding hands and like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Because we had no idea. But during this process, the great thing is, is God showed us the authority that we have. And we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to hide under the sheets. We do not have to be tormented. None of those things is what he has set us to do. As we grew in our relationship, we started learning more scripture, more power that we had. And I'm sure Dave will talk about this, but there's so much in the New Testament talking about this. It was no longer a story of the Bible. It was truth. It was alive. And it was made for us 2,000 years later because he doesn't change. Things don't change. People always say it's 2020. That doesn't exist. It absolutely exists. Absolutely. And we absolutely have that authority. He tells us to go heal, cast out demons, and raise the dead. And that's the truth. That's still alive. That's what we're supposed to do. Ephesians 6 10 through 20 is very lengthy, but it's so important to what we're talking about. The Father does not, wait, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand firm. Therefore, stand, have, having fastened on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness, given the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am the ambassador to chains that may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So there's so much in there, but it's so important for us to understand that he is equipping us with everything we need to be able to get through our days. It doesn't have to be something dramatic like what was happening with Dave and I where things are manifesting and being crazy. It could be these word jabs that we have with each other that are the attacks of the devil. It's just a whisper of the ear. In the midst of all this chaos, we were so desperate to find help of this torment. We actually went to who is now one of our dear friends, a Catholic priest. And I'm not condoning going to see this movie or promoting it, but if any of you have ever seen Emily, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, like for real, that, that stuff is that's real. I know people kind of question it and like it's kind of crazy. Again, I'm not promoting it, Pastor. Um, but the thing about the Catholic Church is they're not ashamed like some of the churches. They say that it exists. They say that they can help. But the thing is, is that Dave and I have learned to do things a little bit different than the Catholic Church because when we went through that process, it was scary it was terrifying. We were seeing things with like body contortions, screaming, yelling, va I mean, none of these things have to happen with inner healing and deliverance. God has showed us this is a beautiful experience that we can find freedom from what you wrestle with, with Jesus right next to you, just walking right next to you, holding hands with you. The experience that Dave and I went through took months to resolve. But that experience, God, like with Jesus, took the veil to the to spiritual world and ripped it. He showed us something that we most people don't see. And like Ephesians says, we deal with this on a daily basis. We all do. Since this has happened, Dave, Pastor Joey, Tony, along with others, um, 
We have prayed with people. We have learned so much. And now we are so excited to help others that are in these circumstances, extreme like ours, or everyday situations, we all need freedom. To break off the lies of the enemy and become true masterpiece that Jesus is making us. So when Pastor had asked me to give a toast testimony, I'm like, there is so much to give. How deep and how wide do you want to go? Um, God has done so much work in us, and we're just so excited to start talking about this inner healing and deliverance um, ministry and to be able to walk alongside with anyone that is ready for some freedom. So from there, I'll go ahead and let Dave. Thank you. Yeah, he said it was Monday. He was sitting in the house watching television. His wife came home. He saw a big, large packet. You know, and on the name, the name on the side of this box was the name of one of the most exclusive dress shops in town. Cheapest dress was $85. And that's when they were on sale. That's if they had a sale. And nobody would ever remember this dress shop having a sale. Until Reb's wife was there that day. She came in the house. She had the box. Reb saw it. Reb said, what? Another dress? This is ridiculous. Three dresses in a week, another dress. And she tells him, I didn't want to buy this dress. <laughs> the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> she said, I was going down the street. I was minding my own business, singing to myself. I said, what you said? <laughs> and the devil starts following me, telling me how good I look. <laughs> Rev said, I'm not going for that. He said, because every time you do something wrong, you blame it on the devil. Because you blamed it on the devil when you ran the car under the side of the church. She tells him, it was the devil. You wasn't there. How do you know? She said, he grabbed that steering wheel out of my hand. Rev said, well, why didn't you step on the brakes? She tells him, because when he grabbed the steering wheel, I tried to kick him. I can't kick him and step on the brake at the same time. Said we had a big fight. That's why I was in the back seat when y'all got the call. Rep said, well, how the devil gets you to buy the dress? She said, I was going down the street, I was singing, what you say on the every day. And I heard the devil coming up behind me with tiptoeing. And I said to myself, I'm not going to look back because I know it's the devil. <laughs> and then he sneaked up and leaned over my shoulder and said, hey, mama, look at that dress in the window there. Said it's on sale, so that's your size too. Got a lot of flowers. You know you'd like a lot of flowers. Why don't you treat yourself to that dress? I said, cut that out, devil. <laughs> I ain't buying no dresses. You better leave me alone, honey. <laughs> devil said, well, why don't you try it on? You can try it on. Rev will never know about you trying it on. It's free. They're not gonna charge you nothing to try it on. You owe yourself to try on. I said, I'm not even trying it on, devil. I'm not even gonna go in there and look at it. That's when the devil shoved me in the door. She said, the devil shoved me in the door. I said, cut that out, devil. And he pushed me over to where the dress was. And he threatened me. And made me try it on. Then he pulled a gun. 
and made me sign your name to a check. Fred said, how come the devil's always making you do something for yourself? When's the devil gonna do me a favor? She said, I asked him about that. He said he did already. Devil said if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't even have a job. All right. Let's give a hand for my wife. So, how many here think that that story sounded a little crazy? Okay, so this is one thing that we, uh, that we learned in uh, youth group today. And so I really expect the youth to really kick in on this. But every time you agree with something, you say, so how crazy are we to believe in Jesus right now? Amen. We're, we're crazy, right? That story was crazy. And so I didn't know exactly where my wife would be going with this, so we're going to adjust our message a little bit. Uh, just to, just to kind of talk over the base of that. Uh, obviously, Janice and I had a situation in our life that um, we're at a point right now where we we're overcoming a lot of obstacles in life. Uh, like she said, we had, we had just recently went through something tragic where we thought that maybe that we were going to get a divorce. And we both decided that maybe that was a good idea. And, you know, honest to God, my wife fought for me. She, 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 she drugged me. She pushed me. She lifted me. Uh, she prayed for me. She did a lot of things, and, and the Lord used her to work through me, and uh, we found God's grace through that situation. Amen? So uh, through that story, we, uh, we converted our life over to God once we started seeing the, the miracles that were taking place that, that hit a presence in us so much. And so uh, I started going through schooling, and I started learning more and more about God, and and with that schooling, I, I really dug into my relationship with the Lord. And so we were just being elevated at a very quick rate uh, from the gutter that we felt like we were in to the presence of God and in, in using us to spread his message. So uh, when we were going through that elevation, you know, it was just everything was a 180, was turned around. And it felt so good. And so all of a sudden, chaos happened. And like she told you, uh, there was something that came over me. And I can tell you guys that I grew up in a church um, that I didn't really learn from with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't necessarily that it wasn't being taught. It was that the place that I was at in life was not really producing uh, fruit enough to understand what the relationship of the Holy Spirit is. And so, um, you know, when we went through this situation, I said, oh, my gosh, Lord, how could you let that happen to me? How could you let me go through such a crazy situation in my life and, um, and, and let the enemy have full control over my body? You know, I'm in ministry. I'm doing this. I've turned my life around. I've given it to you. How could you let that happen? How many times have we felt that? Can you relate? So we're going through this situation, you know, and it's like uh, I ended up going to the hospital. Um, you know, as Janice said that, the cops came. They called paramedics, paramedics came. I told them exactly what was going on. So essentially they thought I was crazy. And so they sent me to the hospital. Well, we got out of the hospital. We went to the church. And um, really that's when the, the prayer started beginning from our eldership at the church that we were attending. And so we felt like we were pretty lost. We felt like we were crazy. We felt like that we, nobody in the world would believe all the things that were going on. And uh, I didn't know why God let this happen to me. So uh, as a desperate moment, we ended up getting a number from a priest, and 
from my personal experience, that wouldn't have been my first call. And I thank God every day that Father Roy came into my life. And so what he did is he, he helped us uh, understand that we were not crazy. He did say that we believe in Jesus, so we're crazy. Everybody here is crazy, amen. But we weren't crazy. It really was going on. So uh, from that point on, there is a journey that Janice and I took to try and understand the power of the enemy. And so, you know, that what, what kicked in emerge, uh, immediately was how long has the enemy been able to attack us? Just like you saw in that video, that's kind of a funny story. But how many people here have heard somebody say the devil made me do it? Amen. So do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and say the devil did not make you do that. So the first story that comes through goes all the way to the beginning of time. And that is Adam and Eve. And uh, we're going to bring up uh, Genesis 3. And as you guys uh, learn to know me, I'm old school, so I love reading out of the Bible itself. And so in Genesis 3, 9 through 13, it takes us back to, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman... The woman put me here, you put me here with her. She gave me some fruit and then I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent. The serpent deceived me. And it's like, wow, right from the beginning of time, she was like, the devil made me do it. Oh, my gosh, everybody, the devil did not make you do it. Okay, so we, um, so we started understanding that point that um, through the beginning of time, it feels like the enemy has had control over us. And uh, when you start breaking into the scripture, it's kind of like, this is why I tell people, it's kind of like if you were driving a pink Chevette. Pink Chevette. How many people have seen a pink Chevette on the road? I guarantee you right now that if you went and purchased a pink Chevette, you would see a hundred of them on the road. Is that right? Like whenever you pick something and you start wearing it, you got a lot of pride in it, uh, all of a sudden it's everywhere. Everybody's got one. So, you know, as uh, Janice and I started studying the scripture, we started realizing that spiritual warfare was all throughout the Old Testament. It was all throughout the New Testament. And so it's like, wow, okay, so I'm not crazy, but there's a lot of, this, there's a lot of information to take in, a lot of stuff uh, for us to learn. So then we go to the point of uh, why does God give control over to the enemy? And that's something that I really struggle with. Lord, I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything right. I feel like I'm giving all of me to you. How could you let this happen? How can you let this, this enemy come into our lives and take control? How can you let disaster happen? How can you let children die? How can you let sick um, go to the hospital and suffer? How can you let coronavirus take over the world? How can you let politics just get so nasty and ugly? How can you do all this stuff? How can you make so the enemy has so much power in this world? And that's the struggle that I was going through at that point. And so there's a couple things that, uh, that I learned through this process. I learned the devil is not making you do anything. The devil is not the reason that you are having suffering in your life. The reason comes because we chose sin. God did not create sickness. God did not create for us to be destroyed. God intended for us to be healthy and whole and prosperous. Amen. So, wow, where did it come from? It came from that decision from, from Adam and Eve 
It came from sin. Sin has created that. Unfortunately, through the actions of sin, we're, we're cursed. And death is a part of our life. But there's a message there to rejoice because there's victory over that. And so, um, you know, that goes into me like, okay, God, so sin created this. How do I deal with it? How do I understand this a little bit more? So why, why, is, why is sin allowed to come here? Why did you give us a choice? Well, it grew into me understanding that God gave us free will. And this is some of the things that we talked about earlier today with the junior, with the youth, is that God gave us a free will. Amen? So if we didn't have free will, what would this world look like? If we did not have a choice, essentially, we'd be like robots. So I sit there and think, man, God, what is the purpose of you creating a world full of robots, pretty much nothing. So what we used as an example today in youth group is that um, imagine that your parents, when you turn 18 years old, told you who you were going to marry, a complete stranger. Would that be love? That'd be terrible. That'd be terrible for both parties. And so if God created us with no choice, that wouldn't be love. We'd be forced to do that, just like we'd be forced to marry somebody. We'd be forced into a relationship with God. That's not what God intended. And so he gave us this free will, and he said, you know what? I need you to choose me. That's where the love is activated. That's where the power of God is activated in our lives, is when we choose God. So with that free will that God has given us, we make a decision, we come in a fork in the road. Do we follow what God says to do or do we, do we veer off and, and, and essentially go to where the enemy's tricking us to be? How many times in your life do you veer off? Every day. Every day we're forced with, with uh, temptation. And so when I went into this message, I said, man, God, why, why are we tempted? Well, do you realize that Jesus himself was tempted in, in, in the desert? And so we go into Matthew 4, 1 through 11. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, 40 days and 40 nights. How many people here can go 40 days without eating? Heck no, I can't go two hours without eating. 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine how beat down, exhausted that Jesus was at this moment? And it says in the, in the word that he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and he had, to, he had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will... So you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to the high, very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world of their splendor. All this I will give you, Jesus said. Or the enemy said, he said, you, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, one of the things that really stands out in this, in this verse 
is he says, away from me, Satan. How many times have we felt like that? That things are getting so bad, so crazy, so out of control, the only thing we can say is just get away from me. How, how are you taking control of this part of my life? You know, in Luke ten nineteen, it says that he has given us authority to stomp on snakes and scorpions, all the power of the enemy, that nothing of this world shall harm us. So really, what does that mean? He has given us a more authority than he has given the enemy. We have more authority on this earth than God has given the enemy. And so if you look at that, Jesus says in verse 11 of Matthew 4, the devil left him. The angels came and attended him. So Jesus said, away from me, Satan. And the devil had to go. And so it's like, okay. So everybody's tempted. You know, one thing about that passage that we don't, that we don't read is that the devil was present in his physical form. I know everybody's heard that message before, that passage. But it doesn't actually say the devil was present in physical form next to him. So if he wasn't present next to him, standing there flesh to flesh, more than likely, he was putting thoughts into his head. Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, 40 nights, exhausted, hungry, and uh, just, just really relying on God to lead him. And the enemy comes in at his weakest point, and he starts throwing uh, thoughts into his brain. You can do this. All you got to do is do that. Well, obviously we know the answer. Does that mean that Jesus sinned? So the devil throws these thoughts into your mind. And then it's, it's not a sin until it gets from temptation to activation to sin. And so that's how the enemy works. And so that's why I started learning all these things with the four steps that, the, that are attacks of the enemy. So he tempts us. And then we engage in that, in that, in that thought process. And it becomes sin. At that very moment, I started to realize that you can turn right from, from God at that very moment. And it was revealed that, you know, every time that we turn our eyes off of God, God has to step back. He steps back and says, I've given you a choice. And so when we start walking our own way, trying to take our own path, Essentially what we do is we write a contract to the, to the devil. We say, I agree with you. You can have this part of my life. You know, when you get into alcoholism or drug abuse or sexual sins or stealing or eating or anything that uh, is, is taking over your life, essentially what we have done is we signed a contract with the enemy saying you can have this control of this part of my life. And so God has to step back. And that's what God was happening in my life, even though I was doing so many things to try and serve him. That one part of my life, he had to step back and say, listen, you gave control to somebody else. I'm like, God, why? Why? How do I get it back? So when you make that decision, no matter what it is, and you turn your eyes away from God, God is standing there with his hand out, and by... By human nature, we keep walking down the path that we started, right? So we start walking down this path, and the more that time goes on, the more the enemy puts his spirits on us. And that's called oppression. And so we become oppressed. So you notice that 
the first time that you drank alcohol or the first time that you've done anything that you know is not supposed to be of, of God, it was, you felt really shameful. It was a real quick thing. Oh, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to do this. He did drugs. Nobody's going to know. And then he's, I, I can put it away. First time you look at pornography, nobody's going to know. I'll just take a look. You close the book. You know what you did? You just turned left. We just signed that contract. And the thing is, is then the enemy, he's got control of that. What is he going to do? He's going to prowl like a lion. He's going to bring it into your life. He's going he's to force it to be pushed against your eyes so that's what you see. He's going to continue to tempt you. And then all of a sudden, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. How many times in our life have we just sat there and said, how did I even get to this moment in life, God? How did, how did this even happen? I've been doing good things. I've been, I've been doing everything that makes everybody else feel better. I treat people fairly. Well, come to find out, I signed a piece of my life over to the enemy. And it was, it was 35 years. It was something I, that happened when I was really young. 35 years of the enemy putting spirits on me and trying to control me in this part of my life. And so, you know, the thing is, is that I was, I was learning, I was growing, I was dedicating my life to God, and then all of a sudden the enemy didn't like that. And he already had control of it. And it was just like a melting pot. It was like the 4th of July exploded before it even got in the air. And next thing you know, I'm waking up in the hospital saying, why, God? So I walked through that, and I really was just, I was lost. Like, okay, you're starting to reveal all these things to me of how I've gotten here. And so I'm trying to understand, Lord, how do I get the heck out of here? And uh, I started studying. I started learning. I started growing. And uh, there's one thing that God wants us to do. God wants us to come back to him. And so I said, God, how do I do that? I, I realize where I went wrong. I realize that I've given control. I realize it's not your fault. I realize the devil's not making me do that. Lord, how do I get back? You know the only thing God wants us to do is he wants us to repent. And so what does repentance look like? You know, one of the things is that if you were to cheat on your spouse and then you, you get caught and you say, I'm sorry, then you turn back to pornography, and then you go back to cheating on your spouse, and then you say, I'm sorry, and you expect your spouse to say it's okay? Is that, is that true repentance? You see, that's continuously letting the enemy have his way in that part of your life. And so, God, change me. Change my mind. I realize that this is just... I've given this up. I want it back. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for turning my eyes away from you. I'm sorry for thinking that I could control this part of my life, that I could lead myself in this direction. Because when I put me first, Lord, the enemy just creates a disaster in every part of it. Like my wife said, he's out to just destroy every single thing that he can. Lord, please just, just forgive me. And God led me into uh, Luke 10, 19. 
He's given us authority over the enemy. We give that to him. So, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I change my mind. I bring it back to you. I understand your word. And now I tell the enemy to get out of my life. Remember that contract that we signed? And I want you guys to think whatever contract, we do it every day. Every day we write contracts. Think of that contract that's going on in your life right now. Think of that contract that the enemy has had control of some part of your life. And you rip that contract up. Amen. God has given us authority to rip that contract up. Come on, man. You guys got to get more involved in that. God has given us authority to rip that contract up. Do people have contracts written in this room right now? We're going to end them right now in Jesus' name. Because you know what? He has given us authority over that. And so my wife and I, we've learned, okay, okay. So we've changed our thoughts. We've lined them back up with you. We've gotten our life back. You've taught us, Lord, how to... Uh, rip those contracts up, renounce the enemy, kick him out of our life, and that he does not have authority over that part of us any longer. And so there's a story in the, in the, in the word, and I'm kind of speeding up, where Jesus cast demons into the pigs. Does everybody remember that passage? Well, in that passage it says that if you do not replace what you kick out, there's an empty house. And if there's an empty house, it's coming sevenfold. So somebody can sit there and say, you know what? I knew these steps that led to this point. I understood that the enemy has caused damage in our lives. I understood that I gave it to him, and I've already taken back, and things are not getting better. It actually got worse. Let me tell you an example of that. Imagine that you're an alcoholic for 25 years. And all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you say, I am finished. Wow, what a, what a victory in that. God, I'm finished, I'm sorry, enemy, you've, you've done this to me, and that's it, and that's all he leaves it to. Well, what's going to happen is the enemy is going to continue to attack. That void that he's known, a part of him that he's claimed hold of for 25 years is gone. And, you know, that can be relatable to a situation where you've been married for 25 years and your spouse is gone. There's emptiness. There's emptiness inside of you. There's something that's missing. God says if you do not replace that with the Holy Spirit, it's going to come back. And so if you were drinking for 25 years and you don't replace that with God and his word, you ever see somebody that has been an alcoholic for many years and when they go back, they go back like they never left? Or if they're on drugs, they go back like they've never left. They fill that, that void that's been missing for so many years. And the reason that is, is because, yeah, they went through the, through the first two things, but they didn't replace it with, with the right thing. They didn't fill that emptiness that they had. And so one of the things that my wife and I learned was that um, we all fall short. We all fall short of God's glory. We all make bad decisions every single day. There's a couple things that we learned through this that I want to emphasize on. That the devil attacks every single person on this earth. It is not a sin until you engage in that sin. The enemy is going to continue to put thoughts in your head, yet we have authority to tell that enemy to be gone. Amen? We're all going to make mistakes. We all, we all have lived a, a crazy, crazy life. And we all ended up believing in Jesus. That makes us even crazier. 
And so with those decisions that we find ourselves where life is getting crazy and out of hand, there's tools that God has given us there throughout the whole word. Those tools are to renounce, or excuse me, replace. Excuse me, to <laughs> repent. Yes, Jesus, I'm sorry. Sorry for losing my focus. Sorry, Lord, for falling for these tricks. Sorry, Lord, that I knew that looking into that pornography was a sin. Sorry, Lord, that I knew that I was going to take one more sip when I said I was finished, and it was going to lead me into a relapse. Lord, I am sorry when I started looking at another woman outside of my relationship with my wife. Lord, I am sorry when I wrote the test answers on my hand because I didn't want to study. Lord, I'm sorry when I hid stuff from my parents because I didn't want them to find out and I thought it was an easy lie. Lord, I'm sorry when I judged that other person because I'm covering up for the things that I'm going through in life. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, will you forgive me? I changed my mind. I'm not only going to say it, I'm going to change my mind. The second part is, Lord, you've given me the authority. Lord, you've given me authority over this enemy. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I command the enemy to be out of my life. Amen? You know, one of the stories I didn't get to because of time was that you know, when Jesus, most of the time, except for one time, when Jesus spoke to demons, he didn't let them talk back. He took that authority and he said, be done. It is finished. So when you go into a situation in your life where it's out of hand, you don't talk to the enemy. You don't let him come back at you. No, you command him to be gone and it's done. And the third part is, Lord, just fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me, lead me, show me, fill me. That I can replace whatever wickedness, whatever part the enemy has control over. I'm going to fill that with you and your word in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask for music to come up. And uh, I'm briefly going to um, talk about one more passage. And that passage is in Matthew. And, um, you know, this is, a, this is the passage of Jesus walking on the water. And, you know, so Jesus is coming from just finding out that his cousin died, John the Baptist. Um, they beheaded him. He had uh, a situation in his life that was uh, very hard. You know, they were out to get him. And, um, you know, the natural re reaction is for, for everybody to hide him and to go because, you know, his ministry wasn't complete yet. And so Jesus is uh, coming to, off the boat, he's coming over to, uh, to try and find some alone time with God. And as he's going through this, this transition of moment, he gets on land and there's, there's 5,000. And we all know the story of feeding the 5,000, right? So that's 5,000 men plus their wives, plus their children, plus it could have been upwards of 20,000 people that were there. You're going through all these problems in your life. Let me tell you, Jesus knows what you went through. Jesus went through a lot of stuff. He was tempted. He was... He was uh, just pressed on by the enemy constantly through his whole life. And so Jesus is uh, getting out of the boat and he's feeding the 5,000. And, and uh, you know, Jesus sends, the, Jesus sends the disciples away at the end of, at the end of that message. And uh, he sent them on the boat and he needed time to meditate with God. 
you needed time to uh, just unwind. And um, so it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and Jesus came down from where he was meditating, and the, the boat was way out. You know, the, the Greek language talks about how the waves were crashing. It describes the waves crashing like a fist punching you in your face. So it was pretty choppy waters out there. And immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of them to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffered by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And so the fourth watch is about 3 o'clock in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. One of the reasons they cried out in fear and thought it's a ghost is because there was an old folk, uh, folk tale that said that there was uh, spirits out on the water. And so they were freaking out, thinking it was a ghost. They saw something walking towards them. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. disguise those waves in that message is that uh, they were like they were like punches to the face. What are those issues that we're dealing with right now that we're talking about? What are those things that feel like we can't take anymore? Why is the enemy attacking us? What can we do? As Peter was sinking, Immediately, Jesus reached his hand out and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You know, as we're going through those situations in life that we all have, those contracts that we sign every single day, and the control that the enemy is putting into our life, do you know Peter was going through that that very moment? As he was sinking, do you realize that water was rising? The crazy thing is, is when we're gasping for air, we're forced to look up. As we're sinking in life, as these, these things that the enemy has control over us, God's standing right above us. He's like, look, all you got to do is look up. I'll help pull you out of the water. I'll help walk you to that boat. So life, life doesn't have to be hard. We don't have to do it on our own. Jesus is saying, please, please look up. And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat whispering or worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. We have prayer that, that we do down in front. 
at that moment in time that you, that you have the chance to come down here, um, you know, the word says that uh, confess your sins to God and you're forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and you are healed. You know, we need help. We can't do all of this all by ourselves. Just like my wife said, he has blessed me with a beautiful spouse that, is, that has helped push me through those moments. We all need help all the time. You know, when we have an altar call, we have an opportunity every week for somebody to come down. How many people here have contracts that they've wrote with the enemy? This is an opportunity for us to just say, you know what? I need your hand. I need, I need some help. I need my, my church family to help. I need to break these contracts. I am tired of the enemy controlling my health, my finances, my relationships. I'm tired. I want it to end right now. And every single person in this room has a struggle. Lord, we just, uh, we just, we just ask you to just forgive us. Lord, we fall short. Lord, we fall short in an area that we've kept inside of us that is that's kept like a secret. We've bottled, Lord. We've We've protected. We've made sure that nobody could find out. Lord, that secret, that secret's killing us. It's killing us inside. Lord, the contracts I've wrote with the enemy, the control I have given him, it's killing me, Lord. It's exhausting. I want to be done. Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have just, you've been a God that gave us a choice. Right now, Lord, we just lift you up and we choose you. We choose you, Lord, in any direction that we went that wasn't following you, Lord, we, we, we change our minds right now, Lord, and we choose you. Lord, we cannot live with this pain that the enemy is causing any longer. Lord, you've given us authority to, to stomp on snakes and scorpions. You've given us authority over that enemy. In the name of Jesus, enemy be gone. Say it out loud because he can't hear your words. He can't hear your thoughts. Enemy be gone. Whatever control that I have given you, enemy, be gone in the name of Jesus. And that is finished. Lord, we just ask that you fill us. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us in our void. Lord, fill us to know our true identity because we believe these lies. We believe this false idea of ourselves, Lord, and we follow this path that was not anywhere near who you designed us to be. Lord, teach me. Teach me to be whole. Teach me to be prosperous. Teach me the weapons and the tools that you've given me to make sure that that enemy is gone. Lord, and we just thank you that that Holy Spirit just overflows in us, that we just, uh, that we just feel happiness, wholeness, joy, peace. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. In Jesus' name. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation 
to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.